Talk Radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is Student for a Better Future with your two co-hosts, Mr. Ruben Torres and myself, Dr. Mark, the political optometrist, helping you see things clearly. And we have a rock and roll show going on here today. We have a major league heavyweight. Tell us about it, Ruben. Well, we have uh, the former advisor, top advisor for Donald Trump, Roger Stone here. To uh, We're going to go over the, the fallout in Iowa for not just Donald Trump, but for everyone who, who benefits from it, who, who actually has the momentum going. And we'll discuss also Hillary Clinton, the Democrats, and the current situation also with the political climate that is occurring right now. But we'll, we'll have a lot more to discuss when Mr. Stone comes on board. Yes, I'm having a technical issue, Ruben. <laughs> Damn it. To leave a message for someone, press 1. To get to your own mailbox, press 2. Are you calling him? Sorry, yes, I ma'am. don't know what you want to do. You have a few choices. Oh to leave a message for someone, press 1. To get to your let me try again, brother. I'm trying that new number you gave me. Well, isn't this exciting, folks? You're like inside the studio here. <laughs> okay, I'm dialing him up again, Ruben. Okay. In the meantime, wow, so it was uh, Cruz, Trump, and Rubio in the 20s. With Cruz winning Iowa is right now. The last I heard, Bernie and Hillary were fifty-fifty. Did was anyone proclaimed the winner, or should I even bother asking? Supposedly, it, uh, the winner has been. Uh, um, it was declared that Hillary won by a couple of points. Not, oh, not that I'm surprised. Not that I'm surprised, but you know anything, anything any, you can expect anything from the from the Clinton. Um, Clinton clan. Oh yeah, That's yeah, sure. the uh, Clinton crime family. Oh yeah, the uh, mafia could actually sit at their feet. The five crime families, and right. uh, probably you know sit at their feet and learn uh, the, right. the the uh, amount of uh, carnage that goes on with this with this family. Ruben, I'm going to go back to the original number. Okay, just, just uh, we'll, let him, we'll let him know. Okay, hold on. All right, I'm going to start dialing the... Oh, just the basically old... let him know Let him know if he wants to call call into the number. Give a, give him uh, our number. Yeah, I can't take us off the air, but I can't take myself off the air, brother. Okay. So everything, uh, guy is going to be hanging out. Well, when he answers the phone, immediately let him know that he's on the air. That's all I can do. Now it says I'm dialing again now. Okay. Ooh, this is exciting. Drum roll, please. But anyway, uh, as you're trying to get in touch with Mr. Stone, I'll I'll just go on. I think the the whole situation with Bernie, I think Bernie did great. Uh, I mean, for a socialist to, to do what he did yesterday after he was down by almost 30, 35 points a couple of months ago, 
that shows the weakness. That shows that there's no excitement for Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton, the dynasty that was created by, that was founded by Bill Clinton, it's dead. Yeah, did you see Bill's approval ratings also? Uh, Not only is uh, Hillary bad news, but she's like an anchor around Bill's neck. His favorability ratings are down to 39%. Uh, And he used to be up in the stratosphere. And now he's down less than 50% at 39%. So, uh, yeah, yeah, her weight is so heavy it's even pulling a person like Bill Clinton down with her. <laughs> right. And I'm happy to, and I'm loving that because I've known people in Arkansas. I've heard stories that I won't repeat on the air and, and oh my lord. Uh yeah, yeah, it's true. When we joke the Clinton crime family there is uh uh some yeah. you know, often the truth is said in jest, isn't that the old saying? <laughs> hey wow yeah. uh well, I'm not having any luck. I'm dialing with, for Mr. Stone, Ruben, and I'm trying the old number now. It says dialing. You know, I hope it's not my internet. All right, I'm going to go back to. Uh, I'm just. Let, let me let me let, let me call him. Let me call him. Hold on. Okay, yeah, I'll just talk to the folks on the air. Uh, you know what I wanted to tell Ruben as Ruben reaches out to our guest because we've already spoken to the guest. So I'm a bit puzzled as to why this is occurring. But what I wanted to explain to Ruben is, and he's correct, uh, the Sanders surge, the, the, the burn, uh, does show the weaknesses and the vulnerability of the Clinton campaign. However, what's personally scary to me is, are all these people taking this communist socialist Seriously? I mean, is this a mere protest vote to Hillary Clinton? Uh, In which case, I didn't see the O'Malley numbers. But, uh, you know, O'Malley, the third candidate, still in the Democratic presidential primary. (laughs) Pardon me. But it's scary to me because, again, I I want to emphasize to our student listeners and just remind our Tea Party folks I'm going to define socialism and capitalism for you. Socialism, you're waiting online outside the bakery for the bread. Capitalism, the bread is waiting online on the shelf for you to make your selection. Why do you think the entire world wants to plunder the United States? In the entire world, I mean Obama, the UN, these... uh, climate change, shakedown artists, because whether you agree with man-made climate change or not, carbon credits and the increased cost of electricity and the hardship that would hurl onto hundreds of millions of people is cruel and unjust punishment. And who do these people think they are that, oh, um, we'll, we'll just, like a vacuum cleaner, take 65, 70 million, excuse me, 65, 70 billion out of the United States and squeeze Western Europe like a towel for whatever more money we can get. This is vile. This is cruel. This is greed beyond measurement. Um, 
And all of that falls in line with the communist socialist system. Now, is capitalism perfect? Of course not. Nothing man-made is perfect. But I tell you what, you show me someplace, even going back in time, something that's been more successful to the brunt of the citizenry, something that has allowed the citizenry social mobility. Social mobility are two words that don't even exist in the communist socialist lexicon and in their dictionary. Those words aren't there. There's no such thing as social mobility because under that system, if you're a party boy, okay, and you uh, play the party game and do whatever ruthless or thieving or criminal activity the party demands of you, you may get to the point where uh, you'll have some uh, economic success. But that's the only way. Or if you pay these people off and you're very wealthy to begin with because you are not going to accrue wealth unless some party person – hello, Ruben. Is that you, sir? Nope. Not Ruben. I'm sorry, folks. Uh, but you, you aren't going to see that in that kind of system. Capitalism, I'm telling you, is the new There's a new radical system, form of government and economics. Now, do these capitalists, do we have to keep a sharp eye on them? Of course. No, no one's saying, you know, total laissez-faire, unbridled capitalism. Uh, there have to be watchdogs, and maybe even watchdogs for the watchdogs. Ruben... Hello? Hello, folks. We're but uh, I, I can't emphasize that difference. I, I can't. Between the two systems, emphasize it more strongly, and the fact that so many people think that socialism is so fine and good and swell and kumbaya concerns me. Uh, I mean, I understand what's going on. I understand the leftist indoctrination in the educational system and the dumbing down of the student body, but you have to fight through that, folks. You have to read on your own. You have to think on your own. This is another thing that's scary to me is that the education systems aren't teaching people to think independently. You want to challenge the system, fine and good. Unless, of course, you, you want to challenge uh, the uh, Bureau of Land Management, BLM, and their outrageous overreach of power and land grab. Oh, no, that you better not do. Uh, uh, uh. But if you want to challenge the system, but in parentheses, Republican participants of that system is what they really mean. They don't mean to challenge them because, as we said before on the program, Bolshevism uh, requires censorship. There can be no debate. There can be no airing out of ideas. And that is what's surprisingly uh, different with all of it. Uh... 
Why? Right. Um, I'm very sorry for these technical issues we're having. All right, so um, I'm even hoping that my internet is on and we're on the air. Oh, yeah, good. Okay. So that's what worries me. What is this fascination with socialism? What is this fascination with cutting off your own arm? Now, many of our listeners are students, so you don't own properties. You don't own businesses. You don't know what it's like to encounter a blizzard of government regulation and battalions of government bureaucrats. That's what socialism is. Now, because socialism and communism are the type of systems they're... Those systems are federal, state, and a local. They reach all the way through. Now, in the capitalist economic system and government system, capitalism provides more laissez-faire, which is what you would want. Now, I know here in, in my state of New Jersey and in my particular township, Middletown Township, there's not much we need from Washington, D.C. Those folks over there with their their heavy-handed, authoritarian, Bolshevik methods of contorting the American political system aren't wanted here. And I'm, guess what? I'm sure this isn't the, our voice isn't all alone in the forest. I'm sure there's zillions of areas that are the same thing. Who is this federal government? Who do you think you are? Our Constitution gives you 13 explicit powers. Our system, because of the activities of the communist and the leftist socialist, our system is becoming warped. It's bent. Ah. And, and so uh, you have to even wonder now if we have a capitalism system, which is why I'm a big fan of Donald Trump. Ruben, our co-host, is a big fan of... So that's what's startling me. Uh, again, I have to apologize. We're like uh, 17 minutes into the show. Our guest, and I'm very eager to get him on the line. Uh, I don't know what the issue was. We've already communicated and reached out and spoke to him. Uh, but apparently there are issues. I apologize. I don't even have Ruben here to help me out. But, uh, uh, you know, I have to jokingly say many people accuse me of... Too far. Uh-huh. 
you know, people tell me you talk too much. I tell them, no, it's not that I talk too much. It's that so many people have so much they have to hear. It's like, hello. And I don't hear other people saying it. I have to tell you, my favorite out there in the media world now is Dr. Michael Savage. Um, I've soured on Mark Levin because of his, just the whiny tone of his voice and his anti-Trump positions. Ruben just tried to come in, and we just lost the call. Is there something going on out there in phone land? Uh, Could that be uh, what our issue is? Uh, Because Mr. Ruben just tried to reach out with Mr. Stone on the line, and the call just dropped. So uh, we'll have to wait a few minutes. Now, I apologize. If you do hear silence, that's me frantically texting with Mr. Ruben Torres. Uh, as we attempt to resolve this issue. But anyway, I'll say it again. It's not that I talk too much. It's that so many people have so much they have to hear. For God's sakes, Bernie Sanders got 50% of the Democrat vote in Iowa. Uh, I mean, uh, if I were a registered Democrat in Iowa, I would have voted for O'Malley as my protest vote, not Bernie Sanders. You don't, students, so let me put it to you this way. You don't want your parents suddenly walking into a 90% tax bracket. You don't want your parents walking into a 55%, which exists now, by the way, estate tax. So if your parents unexpectedly passed or one parent, what have you, and they left you their house, huh, you know what? You know what goes on in the real world? You're going to have to sell that house to pay the estate tax. And you'll get to keep whatever few crumbs you can uh, dig up from the sale of the house. This is what goes on in the real world with people. Because, as I think it was part of Obamacare, there's now a 55% estate tax. The government says you've paid taxes and worked your entire life. Everything you've earned, you've paid taxes on and has been legitimate. But you know what? When you die, we're taking over half your money. Do you understand that? Now, students, is that getting your attention? You know, if mommy and daddy are leaving you some, mom and dad or someone else, that you're looking at a 55% estate tax. That's not right. Why is the government seizing? Now, you have to think 50 years down the road this is going on. How much money is the government going to have? And I'll promise you one thing. However much money they pillage, it won't be enough. They have to have more. They, they, they always have to have more. The, the, uh, the word insatiable, I think, is applicable to the money habits and designs of the powers that be, uh, predominantly in the Democrat Party also. Um, you know, and I'm going to change the topic a bit. As, as I saw... Uh, today, headlines that the Pentagon is complaining that they have they're low on fuel, bombs, rockets, you know, all the weapons of war. And it's funny because on this program, Students for a Better Future, with Her Highness Doreen Finkel, I was saying when we were uh, blasting Gaddafi to Kingdom Come with all our cruise missiles, I was expressly could could. It was uh, relayed my concern 
that, oh, my God, I hope we aren't emptying our entire arsenal of cruise missiles to knock out a, a third-rate chump like Gaddafi. Now, although I feel that the uh, assassination of Gaddafi, the Benghazi incident, in my opinion, from what I've read, all this is going on to and specifically the removal of Gaddafi had to take place to further the business interest of Clintonista allies, cohorts, and business people. Because influence peddling and selling her position as Secretary of State isn't their only act in town. I'm sure by pulling maneuvers like this, you know, knocking off Gaddafi, so Clintonista business interests, specifically in oil, uh, because that's uh, Libya is a one-trick pony. It's got oil. That's it. Doesn't have much. They do have a lot of sand, also. Uh, but this is what all this is tied in together. All of this, you know. And besides the gun running, the gun running with the I'm sure to the Clintonistas was subordinate to the. Uh, business interest, and, and of course, the insatiable money-grabbing of these type of people. Now, come on, Ruben. I'm going to try and call Mr. Stone myself. It's a shame I don't have Ruben's number handy. Yeah, I you know dead air time is probably one of the worst sins uh in the radio business and I sincerely apologize for that. But again, uh we are uh we operate on a shoestring budget. Uh your donations at students for a better future dot com are appreciated. Again, a hundred and sixty percent of all donations go to the cause. And I say a hundred and sixty percent because every penny uh contributed. Uh Ms. Finkel, like I call her our highness, her highness, she contributes her own personal uh assets in addition to the contributions. So just know for every dollar you're giving us that's about a dollar sixty that's going to the cause, uh, because that seems to be the uh, ratio. Uh, look, if anyone wants to call in, if you want to be a guest caller, the number is six four six nine one five eight one one seven. And that way, uh, when I if I have you on the line, maybe you'll be able to. Actually, be on the line with Mr. Stone, who's a real heavyweight. As we wait for Mr. Stone. So, now, I know I'm a Trump fan, and uh, I'm sure Ruben is upset at missing the opportunity to rub my nose in it because his, his horse, his boy, uh, Ted Cruz, won Iowa. But, 
I'm expecting Iowa will, will be a forgotten thought as the primaries line up and Mr. Trump rolls up victory after victory like uh, uh, German Blitzkrieg of 1939. Now, uh, what that means is that was the opening salvo of World War II. The Germans, in a matter of a month, occupied Poland with lightning military tactics there before unseen uh, in the world of war. So... uh, that's what I'm looking for for Mr. Trump. Take New Hampshire, take South Carolina, and keep rolling. Oh, wait a second. This is... Hello, Ruben. Do I have you? Yeah. <laughs> Finally. Hey. Uh, do you have Mr. Stone on the line with you or not? No, no. Well, I already spoke to Roger. Uh, we're going to, uh, for the audience, we're going to reschedule with Roger for another occasion. I'll, I'll, I'll be in touch with his um, press agent. And uh, wow, okay, wow, yeah, that cuts to the quick, Ruben. <laughs> well, we're yeah, talking about nice, technical uh, difficulties that scared him away, uh, uh, because we spoke to him initially. Yeah, I mean, like I said, sometimes you know technical glitches come up, and and he understands that. But, yeah, but, but he didn't answer you know, the phone. I don't. Was that out? Uh, I don't see what the issue was. We just reached out and placed uh, the phone call. But anyway, that, that's not that nothing happened. to discuss on the air. Yeah, I, but, I was giving but, you credit, uh, Ruben. I wanted to tell you, uh, and we're so sorry about Mr. Stone. But fortunately, we have Mr. Torres on the line and Doctor <laughs> Mark. So you folks, <laughs> it's a win-win for you guys. Anyway, I was saying on the air, filling the airtime, because, you know, dead airtime is like their bolted in the uh, radio world. I, I was saying how Ruben is missing out on the opportunity to rub my nose in it about Ted Cruz winning the Iowa caucus. No, 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 no. You know, you know, you know, but you know better than that. I mean, that's not. It's not, it's not. It's not something that that I enjoy doing. Um, but what I, what I have to say is that you know this is going to be this is going to be grueling months of going oh out yeah there. yeah exactly yeah it, it, it's it's round one of fifty round fight right um, and okay and Ted Cruz wins God bless him because I tell you Ruben I'll say this publicly I like Ted uh, if not Trump then it better be Ted. Um, uh, so uh, uh, I'm not upset that Ted won. I'm kind of upset that Marco moved up so much because after his gang of eight antics, uh, I'm, I'm very insecure with him. Um, and, and I'll tell you, uh, there was I have friends in Florida that you know I'm not as Mr. Global as you are, Ruben, but I have <laughs> friends in Florida. And I remember calling them up after seeing Marco Rubio. I think you know I forget exactly what he did, but I was so impressed. I called up several friends in Florida and thanked them for sending Marco Rubio to the Senate for us. And then right. he turned around and did this gang of eight. You know, some sharpies I talked to say that they just think he was hoodwinked by Schumer yeah. and the rest of these guys somehow, but, and that that really isn't because later on he did rebuke. Of that legislation, but anyway, your thoughts, sir? Yeah, but 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 it, it, it was in my in my in my book in my eyes, it was too late when Marco 
basically renounce. But there's a lot of evidence coming out of his campaign that Marco is for a pathway to citizenship for illegal immigrants. And that's the reality. And, 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 and Ted, Ted has been portraying Marco as the amnesty guy because he he is for amnesty. He's telling Ted is telling everyone if you want an amnesty person to be your next president, then I'm not your guy because I'm going to be very tough on illegal immigration. And and, and I, I know. And, and you know, Ruben, I have to tell you, there was so much BS flying back and forth from multiple camps constantly and people with ulterior motives that I don't even know what to believe anymore. Unless I ask <laughs> Mr. Rubio that question myself or I see someone else ask him that question. And then I'm going to have to question his veracity. Okay, he said this, but does he mean it? I, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm insecure with that. That's why well, I want Trump, or if not Trump, please let it be Ted. You have to look at an individual that when he got elected in Texas, Ted Cruz, when he was elected in Texas, he was elected by the grassroots. He was not elected by big oil like everyone was. Yeah, he was a big Tea Party guy. Yeah, I, I recall Tea Parties and right. You know, Texas had some powerful Tea Parties, and they were right. mobilizing all across the state for him. Right, and and the the guy the guy that that actually benefited from the oil industry was David Duhars, who was the lieutenant governor under Rick Perry. And he was the establishment guy. He was the guy that was going to be the next senator of Texas. He was going to follow in the foot path of uh, uh, of what's his name, uh, uh, John Conyers. Not John Conyers, John Corn Cornwood, who's the current senior Texas senator. Uh, and out of nowhere came this senator, uh, upcoming senator, which was Ted Cruz, and he captivated, and he told them, when I go to Washington, I'm going to be working for you, and I'm going to be there fighting for you. And he has kept his word. He has said numerous times, I work for the people of Texas. I don't work for the people in Washington, D.C., He's been consistent with that. I mean, I like I've, that. I've you're, you're right. I, and again, I'm going to chime in as a Trump supporter. I'm going to say, I'm going to use the word admire. I admire Ted Cruz when he stood up in the Senate and he said, Mitch McConnell is a liar. He lied right. to me. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't see Rand Paul standing up and doing that. I didn't see any of these other senators that were in a race, whatever the hell they are. Uh, uh, I, I don't see any of the governors that, that, that were in the race chastising these D.C. people because I'm telling you, Ruben, uh, across coast to coast and even beyond coast to coast, because I talk to Tea Party people, Australia, England, Italy, everyone is so disillusioned. At, for instance, this new omnibus bill by Ryan, we feel total betrayal. That is the root 
I feel the root strength of Donald Trump is the betrayal by a full GOP Congress that now has the Senate, that now has the House, and let's see some action, boy. And the only action we saw was Republicans rolling over and letting Obama take everything from them and from us and from this country and from the million men who have been slaughtered and killed defending our rights like candy from a baby. And people are at the moment dismayed by that, that how could they – was everything a lie? Is, is, is everything about D.C. thievery on both sides of the aisle? I mean, is that the naked truth? Is that is that's what's exposed here? And I think the answer is yes. And I think that's the root strength of Donald Trump. Because that's my attitude. Screw these D.C. people. My Lord, I, you know, in the private sector, and I'm sorry, I'm going to have to use this word, the saying is, don't piss on my head and tell me it's raining. You know, that, that's how we roll in the private sector, reality. Not the yeah. warping well, reality and doing different perceptions. But I'm talking too much. On to you, Ruben. What do you think? No, I, I think I think the, the uh, exposing the, the Washington, Washington cartel, which is, they are a cartel, like uh, Ted Cruz has been mentioning, um, you know, I consider myself a contrarian. I tend to go against the grain. Uh, and in Ted Cruz, it's the same way. I mean, he's been fighting a lonely battle. I mean, I think maybe Senator Mike Lee from Utah and Senator Jeff Love Session him. from Alabama and Love Pete him. King from uh, – very few individuals have been working with Ted Cruz on this fight. And I know. I've seen I'm pictures looking, of Steve King with Ted Cruz. And yeah. Steve King, I think, is one of the best we have in the House of Representatives. Right. I really do. And again, I will yeah. say this again. I can't tell you how many times I've been to demonstrations and whatnot in Washington, D.C., at the foot of the Capitol building, and stay every single time. I saw Steve King walking all along through the crowd. No, he wasn't surrounded by bodyguards. No, there weren't M16s at the ready for anyone that looked at him wrong. Or they, they, he wouldn't be bushwhacked like peaceful ranches up in Oregon. Steve King walking all by himself through the crowd, thanking well, people for showing up. I love the guy. You know, everyone is talking about well, you know, Ted Cruz was really, really attacked during the debate because he was. He was, so he was attacked he was all along. Okay, so he was he was attacked by everyone, and he stood there and took it. And 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 one of the things that I really wanted to take from that debate was that this man was there by himself. No one was helping him, and he was able to get on get on the road on Friday and Saturday and Sunday because I I stayed in touch with a lot of my uh, friends in, in the Cruz campaign out there working visiting all the counties. He visited ninety nine counties in Iowa, 
you you still need to do some some of that retail politics, knocking on doors, shaking hands, carrying the ba- uh, holding the babies, because that's still how you win elections. You may have all the money in, in the world. You may be the best-looking guy. You may be the most intelligent. But if you don't get the work done, you know, by being out there, you're not going to win. That's just for every for any politician. Yeah, hey, Ruben, I, I, I've been involved with multiple campaigns. And I, I, I have to tell you, I've seen all types of uh, efforts succeed, and I've seen all types of efforts fail. Um, like right here in our area, for instance, what's just what you're talking about. We helped a young lady uh, named by the name of Anna Little win the Republican primary in a shocker. I mean, yep. the Republicans in New Jersey were stunned. We were outspent, I think, like 20 to 1. But yep. every weekend, we would have over 100 people. We had the district mapped out. And every weekend, we would swoop down on towns, two or three towns a weekend with over 100 people, and a little going from town to town to back up and reinforce all these volunteers. No one was paid, and we rocked the Republicans in New Jersey. Now, again, I wish Senator Cruz luck. I also wish that I have the opportunity to vote for Donald Trump for president just because I think he's more of a wrecking ball and he will be more of a uh, economic genie than Ted Cruz will. But I would, again, happily pull the level yeah. for Ted Cruz for president if he's the man on the ballot. I would pull it for Marco Rubio, too, but not so happily. <laughs> right. But... But the reason I'm saying that it's not because of anyone specific. I'm just saying that as a politician, uh, it still counts that you go out there and knock on doors and, and talk to people because you have to have that touch, that human touch. Uh, and and the, other, the other aspect that really was bugging me this weekend, uh, I mean, not this weekend, last night, Every pundit, every political pundit was saying, well, you know, Ted Cruz, everyone who wins in Iowa, 2008, Huckabee won, 2012, Centurum won, and then they lost. And they forget the difference between those two candidates and Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz has over $40 million in the bank, cash. Yeah, he. I, I read that he was, and I heard that he was the number one fundraiser the fourth quarter last year. Well, he and was I would expect yes, that momentum. Would, if not the number one, he's certainly going to be in the top three. So well, happily, I feel, Ruben, even though I'm a Trump fan, happily I'm not seeing the Cruz campaign stall for cash. I don't want to see that. Everyone else... The reason I'm getting, I'm, go, I'm going there is because the press, the media, has been saying that Marco is Marco is primed to be the next person to really take off. Does not have the cash 
that Trump, uh, Donald Trump has. Good, or, good. Yeah, they good, do not. I think he's too young also, Ruben. I think he's yeah. just too damn young yet. Yeah. Uh, and, and, he doesn't, and, he, and he doesn't have, Marco does not have the organization and the volunteer. We ha- The Cruz campaign has over 200,000 volunteers already on the ground in all 50 states. Yeah, you know, I I tipped off the uh, Trump campaign about that. I sent them an email, and I was like, hello, are you aware that Cruz, I think the exact term I used, Ruben, was the exact term I used is that Ted Cruz is building infrastructure over Tea Party paved roads, and you better do something to counter that. Of course, I didn't hear anything from them. You know, well, it was unsolicited well, advice, so they just ignored me. But I think it was very, a very astute observation. Oh no, very good. Uh, and I think, I think again, that's where Marco, Marco doesn't have that. Uh, Cruz has a, 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 a like a hotel in Des Moines. He has a hotel in New Hampshire. In every place, he said it because the person who's the director of Camp Cruz, and he he I know him, and he was telling me, "Hey, we're we're set up." So organization wise, I'm not saying that Ted Cruz is going to win. I'm just saying that Ted Cruz. If anyone thinks that Ted Cruz is going to drop out, he's going to be there until the end. Good, good, good. And, and you know what, Ruben? I also wanted to tell you this. I think. Ted Cruz, if he's not successful, and we have a Trump president, God please, Ted Cruz would be invaluable as a Senate majority leader to work with Trump, to work with okay. on patriotic values, to work for freedom and liberty, because students, that's all we propose. We want freedom. We want liberty. We don't want some pointy-headed, greedy, small-minded bureaucrat in D.C. telling us to do damned anything, you know, unless it involves one of the 13 clearly enumerated powers. Otherwise, tell your story walking, bureaucrat. Um, you know, I'm, I'm still upset about what went on in Oregon. I'm still upset that two of the ranchers had to be returned to jail. I'm upset a jury of their peers returned a verdict of guilty when they didn't even know what the charges were. Because that's right. what went on. That's the root cause of this situation. What the hell was wrong with these people? Let me ask you. From what I understand, Eastern Oregon is more rural, suburban, and more conservative, basic, traditional, strong American values. The left, well, part, you know, on, on the coast is the wing nuts. Um. Portland. Did, did they have a jury of leftist wing nuts convicting these people? Because I tell you what, if I was on a jury, and I've been on a jury, and I've held my ground, um, if I was on a jury and it's some federal lawyer, some weaselly, swarmy lawyer paid for by taxpayer funds, by the way, um, how fair is that? You know, the whole weight and power of the U.S. Treasury against you, but if some swarmy lawyer like that was, oh, I want you to return a, a 
verdict of guilty, but what's the charges? Well, you don't have to worry about that. I mean, forget it. I mean, the only way I'm returning a, guilt, a verdict of guilty is you start cutting my fingers off. Otherwise, go to hell. Uh, so I'm just dis- I'm disturbed by these things I see behind the scenes. Like Bernie Sanders, fifty percent of the Democrats in Iowa think that this man is a solution. What I said when you were off the air, Ruben, is if I wanted to protest, vote Hillary Clinton, I would have voted on now. Certainly not Bernie. Uh, right. Certainly, you know, I'm not. I will never vote for the hammer and sickle again, unless you start cutting my fingers off. Then, okay, you'll get my vote. You know, because I already well, lost a pe- big piece of a finger already, and that bothers me. Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I had a couple people, and again, this is not. This is show. It's not a summary or a description of, of all Trump supporters. But I had a couple of individuals who are Trump supporters that so they said that they will not vote other Republican, but they would vote for Hillary Clinton. And I, and I, and oh. in a very, very I, I, you know what? Very, I, I can't believe a real Trump supporter would say that. Because if you support Trump, you're supporting certain values and positions, and they certainly are not personified in Hillary Clinton. Exactly. I mean, I'd sooner vote for an armadillo, okay, than vote for Hillary Clinton. So exactly. I can't I, believe I, these I, people were real Trump supporters, Cruz, uh, uh, Ruben. I think they, I think they're, you know, disinformation is in high gear. I think they're people that don't actually support Trump. They're actually radical leftists, and they're lying through their teeth, just like the deceitful little mothers constantly do. Yeah. So don't believe them, Ruben. I, I can't oh. see that. Because I yeah, no. you, uh, if not Trump, I would vote for Cruz. I would vote, vote for Rubio. I would even vote for Dan Christie, for God's sakes. But I would never vote for Hillary Clinton. That's insane. It, that runs completely counter to everything Trump stands for. How could they say that? I would immediately challenge someone who told me that, Ruben, that, in that way. No, no, I, I, I was very nice to the person. I said, you know, fine, you know, if you want to vote for Hillary, go ahead. But then, you know, you're, you're, you're really, truly not, a, you're, you're a liberal. You're not, you're not a Republican at all because there's no and way. And you're not a Trump supporter. No way. Yeah. No yeah. way. Although, you know, I have seen a few idiots say that on Facebook. I just ignore them. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I, you know, if I, I have the time, I, I, I tell I, them. I, I, can res- I can respect that you love Donald Trump. Don't tell me that you love Donald Trump so much that if he doesn't make, you're going to vote for Hillary? Then you're not Exactly. Be no way. No, no way, Jose. And, you know, and, and that that's a pun because we're talking about Ted Cruz. And Marco Rubio with Ruben Torres. <laughs> and all these Latino guys. I know, by the way, I'll tell you, I'm very comfortable with you guys. I grew up in a Latino Irish slum, and my best friends and my girlfriends were all Latinos. You know, Cubans, Puerto Ricans, Ecuadorians. Uh, and I, uh, I even had a Peruvian girlfriend for a while, and she was a Peruvian Indian. She wasn't Spanish, Ruben. And dark and skin and jet black hair. Oh, she was beautiful. You, you know, that was a long time ago. Because, because, a long time it's ago. Funny, it's funny you mentioned that that you grew up with a lot of Hispanics. I'm, on the other hand, I grew up in a very Jewish uh, Upper West Side. Uh, as a matter of fact, very liberal, uh, right off Central Park West. Uh, so I totally grew up 
totally different in a different environment. Uh, there was not as many Hispanics growing up uh, because in that area it was still basically uh, very, very Jewish. Right, right, right. You know, I understand that well because back in the day I knew people that lived on the west side because that was the inexpensive place to live in Manhattan. That Things have certainly changed. But I understand what you're talking about because later on, like even in high school, Ruben, I went to Stuyvesant High School, which basically yes. is the is, is the high school for the future doctors and dentists, et cetera, yes. in New York City, most of yes. them Jewish. And yes. I encountered even in high school, you know, what, what I'll call call it the uh, Goyan prejudice. You know, you know like what well, uh, – uh, for instance, I, I went to join the chess club because uh, it's a rite of passage in my family that I continued with my sons, that when you're five years old, you learn, you sit your fanny down and you learn how to play chess. So I had been playing chess for a while, and I went to join the chess club. Chess club was all these nerdy Jewish guys. Um, so uh, they, they all had a chuckle that here's this, uh, uh, you know, big a, a, this Italian Maltese guy with a ponytail thinks he can play chess. So they sat me down with the captain of the chess team. Now, I didn't beat him, but he didn't beat me. I sat down with this guy, and we played to a stalemate. Now, he was the captain and the best chess player of the team. They uh, denied my membership to the chess club. I also had a similar incident trying to join the Stuyvesant High School debate club. Which again right. was seemed to be predominantly the uh, Jewish nerdy guys. Although there there were a few, uh, uh, what I used to call back then, Ruben, Jewish hitters. I call them. You know, they, they were yeah. Jewish guys that were were muscle inside the Jewish community, but were kind of timid going outside the Jewish community. You know, into like uh, the, the uh, Italians of the Lower East Side and whatnot. But uh, anyway. And, and, but Let's get back to the um, situation. Uh, what's coming up next week, uh, New Hampshire. I, I, I have a little, um, a pretty good understanding about New Hampshire. New Hampshire is, is a state that is pretty, pretty independent, uh, very libertarian. Live uh, free or die, isn't that their motto? Exactly, yes. Uh, and, and I think... Works for me, man. Yeah, my prediction. My prediction again, and I and I and I stated the prediction on the um, on Facebook is that Trump is going to win New Hampshire. Cruz is Cruz and Rubio are going to either come in second or third. Kasich is going to be coming in fourth. And and that's okay. That's we we have you on record saying that now, Ruben. You can't yeah, retract yeah, yeah. that, brother. I I I, <laughs> I believe I believe, but. Again, this is something that is not a take-it-all win state. So even if you come in second or third, you still get some delegates. And the strategy, and this is right, right. I know. I have to tell you, Christie's Christie's poor showing in Iowa must have really dampened a lot of spirits, huh? Well. I think I think Governor Christie still has a, a chance. Um, I don't think I, I don't think he, he, he he's done yet. I think the, the the fact that he still has a lot of uh, uh, he's 
popular, very popular in a lot of places. But I think the, the problem that he's going to have, as well as Parson, as well as Santorum and Fioroni, is cash. These donors are going to go to Cruz, uh, Rubio. That's where the money's going to go now. I mean, Trump is, doesn't need the money, but those two guys are going yeah, to get the people who want to be cozying up to Trump because of his megalithic international multi-billion dollar uh, self-made man-built empire. So in order to right. curry favor with that huge capitalistic ongoing concern, um, I think some of these people are going to fall in line with Trump. You know, whether they're giving him money or not, uh, just to uh, attempt at currying favor with Trump Industries and all her arms and legs. Uh, so I have to wonder when this is going to start happening because these boys in D.C., these, these uh, K Street uh, criminals and traitors, uh, are going to start seeing that the only way their bread may be buttered is by cozying up to the monolithic uh, Trump enterprises. And uh, I have to wonder when we'll start seeing that. Ruben, we still have 35 minutes to go because we had an extended uh, show. Right. Uh, and I wanted well, to apologize to anyone who tuned in late that uh, we had technical issues. We were unable to get Mr. Stone on the air. We're hot. Mm -hmm. Ruben promises we'll have him next week because Mr. Stone is a real heavyweight. Uh, I believe he was just on Fox yesterday. Yeah, on he Fox was on News. Fox. He was, he was one of the... Uh... Comment, uh, expert commentaries. Uh, yeah, he had an extended appearance. I, I was giddy that we were going to have this gentleman on the air. Uh, I actually, I wanted to tell the audience, I had a guest line up, lined up, and I had to bump him. And I told him, I'm sorry, sir, that's showbiz. Uh, I mean, we, we got this real heavyweight, this Goliath. And not only that, I was reading up on Mr. Stone, and I'm disappointed he's not on the air because I was going to tell you, I got a one question after I read up on Mr. Stone and studied him and researched him, and I was going to have one question for him. Sir, how can you clone yourself? Because we need about two dozen more of you out there. Because he's, he's a real bad knuckle uh, street fighter when it comes to these campaigns and causes, and uh, I feel that Maybe the, the Republicans are looking worse than they are is because Mr. Stone has withdrawn himself from the battle and is now just a commentator. Uh, so well, I wanted to see if he could clone himself. <laughs> well, the thing, the, the thing about Roger Stone, if, if you look at uh, the history, I mean, he's been with Nixon. He's been with Reagan. He's been with, I mean, he's been with the heavy hitters. In, in and winners, his, winners. Most, most important winners. Winners, but one of the things that strikes me that today Roger Stone is a libertarian. Uh, right, and right. I saw that. And, I and most Republicans, that. and most Republicans, including myself, we we do have a libertarian view point of view. Uh, it's just basically that's that's part of the libertarian uh, philosophy. Um, that yeah, you know, you know I have to say I helped. I helped a libertarian candidate yeah. win an assembly seat in Middlesex County. And the mm -hmm. first thing I remember about the libertarian candidate is he had a, a 10-bullet platform, 
ten <laughs> things that he supports and believes in will be fighting for. And when I read them, I was on board with nine out of ten. And my reaction was, oh, my God, I don't even agree with my beloved wife of 36 years on nine out of ten issues. But I agreed with the libertarians. I, I did get a big kick out of that. I, you know, my only problem with the libertarians is I feel they don't have enough brass knuckles. That uh, they need some brass knuckles. They need some. Oh, oh, oh they, they they need some blackjacks. And for our youthful audience, a blackjack is a piece of rubber about seven inches long, very hard rubber that you hold in your hand. And when you strike someone with that creates a lot of pain. <laughs> and I think the libertarians need some brass knuckles and some blackjacks. Uh, they, they, you know, they they have to start flexing some muscle, some meanness. So, uh, they, they, they're too libertarian. They're too laid back. And Rand Paul well, will be my example of that. Well, they're, they're, again, national libertarians are made of the same uh, what was the what's the phrase? Uh, they don't their, their uh, philosophy is not always basically the same. You know, they they, they there's some libertarians that are are basically for open border. Uh, there's libertarians that are basically, uh, you know, they they feel that that they should legalize drugs. You know, not all libertarians think the same way. You know, not like not all. True. True. Well, you know, something, I agree. Something's got to be done with drugs. There are too many young men, uh, predominantly young men, and of course some young women, uh, being incarcerated uh, that are, uh, for absolutely frivolous baloney. Now, I'm not talking about heroin dealers or crack dealers, but come on, if you're caught with like a little possession of marijuana, no, you shouldn't be in jail with the hardcores. Get the hell out of here with that. Um, you know, that's what uh, I call the penal judicial industrial complex that they have to keep on sucking in people and the blacks complain about this a lot of black people complain about this and i tell you the truth half the time i kind of agree with them probably over half the time that this system and then i'm going to use that word insatiable it has an insatiable hunger for money because if they're not throwing you in jail they're finding you left and right right and left uh, if you, uh, you know, put your pants on with your left leg instead of your right, there's a fine. If you do that, they fine you. If you can't pay the fines, they'll just fine you some more. You know, oh, you couldn't pay that $250? Well, you know what? Now you got to pay a $750 judgment. Well, it's like, hold on a second, court. I couldn't pay the $250. Now you, so you're fining me over that? Uh, I mean, I've seen that a lot go on. Uh, the war on drugs is a failure. I've been to too many young men funerals with not, not only overdoses, but young men who were slain, uh, you know, in trying to secure drugs in bad neighborhoods. Uh, it's just a terrible scene. The war on drugs can't remain the way it's going because too many people are losing. And the only ones who are benefiting are, of course, the penal judicial industrial complex. I'm sorry, Ruben. I will have to go on a rant. <laughs> well, it was it was it was during the the Bill Clinton era that harshest drug uh, laws were, were were passed. 
I don't know if you recall that. And Bill Clinton yeah. was very instrumental in the marijuana uh, restriction, not restriction, the, the, the tighter, uh, harshest penalties against possessing or selling marijuana were implemented during the Clinton era. Well, you know what? I I got my issues with Clinton, and you could forget Monica Lewinsky. Uh, One of the big things my knocks with Clinton is under his administration was when Glass-Siegel Act was repealed, which just opened up the barn door for for God knows what out of Wall Street, because I tell you, folks, I worked on Wall Street. Some of the brightest individuals that I have personally encountered worked on Wall Street. And if these pointy heads in D.C., most of which have never had an honest job in their life, think that they're going to outsmart the people in Wall Street, even with all the power and muscle and money and might of government, it's not going to happen. These people are, will run rings around the federal government personnel always. And what restrained them was the Glass-Siegel Act. Now, I, I, I don't know when that was passed, actually. Was that passed during Johnson or after Johnson or Nixon? Do you know, uh, Ruben, when, when it was the, the first gla- passed? Because the I know it was repealed on the Clinton. Yeah, no, the Glass-Steagall was passed in, in, I believe, in the 60s. 60s. Okay, so that would be Johnson or or Nixon. Right, but then it was repealed during the Clinton era. Mm -hmm. And that's that's when all our problems began. Right, correct. But, again, I, I see today that we have a heroin problem, we have all sort of drug problems, and that stems, that stems from having an open border policy, which we, we we have we've had under this administration. I visited I visited the uh, uh, Rio Grande. I've been. Yeah, well, you're from how far? How far do you live from the Rio Grande, Ruben? Uh, uh, I would say about five hours. Why? Well, and you know what, folks? That may sound like a lot to you, but I've driven through Texas, <laughs> and it is yeah. one big place. Let me tell you, five hours, you are not even going to traverse the state. But even well, still, he's he's a lot closer to this border than almost all of us on the phone are. And if so, I'm going to encourage people to call in if you'd like to. Please call in at 646 Eight one one seven. That's six four six nine one five eight one one seven. Anyway, go ahead. But uh, so well, you've seen it on the well, border personally, well, then? No, no. The uh, to get out of Texas, it takes about eight to ten hours just to get out of the state. You know how in New Jersey? Yeah, I know it's huge. It's huge. And I, Jersey, I took, I had to drive to San Antonio, and San Antonio is way down there. You know, way down there in southern Texas. Right. It's like going towards New Jersey, taking the Garden State Parkway, and going all the way towards the end to uh, 
Chestnut Ridge, and then traveling all the way to Exit 1 on the Turnpike. You mean oh, Exit 1 all the way up by the Canadian border, you mean? Well, no, 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 no. I'm talking about uh, uh, from the parkway, taking the parkway all the way. If I travel from all the way from Chestnut Ridge up to, like, Mahawa, from Mahawa, uh, what's the, the other? I, I haven't been there in a while. Like Parsippany is way up there, Marstown. Those yeah, areas, it's even further than that. But but anyway, I, I just know yeah, I I drove for I, five I, hours in Texas, and I wasn't at San Antonio. That's all I know. Yeah, no, no. What I'm saying to you is that basically, it, I traveled from one end of New Jersey to the other end, and it took me by maybe three or four hours. Just to yeah, get out was of some of that due to congestion, though, or was that just yeah. free wheeling, Ruben? No, oh, no, that was congestion, but but. Just to get out of Texas is about ten hours. Yeah, I, I'm sure. I'm sure. So, so you're closer to the border. So you've seen it, and uh, I, I know I have. I've uh, I haven't been to the border, but I've read many accounts, and it's shocking to me what goes on there. How these ranchers could live down there with uh, with what's going on, uh, how how the, the government, you know, how our Bolshevik apparatchik is uh, permitting this torrent of people and lawlessness to go on. I don't know how they tolerate it. God, God bless them. Well, the thing is, the thing is that we have a great governor. Uh, governor Abbott is uh, uh, very, very strong on border security. Uh, we do have a strong Republican Senate in, in Congress. I mean, uh, Assembly. Uh, that is very, very conscious of protecting the citizens of Texas. And then we have a strong senator, Ted Cruz, that, that believes in, in what Greg Abbott believes, border security. But right. my experience... You know what? I, I, I consider you an expert on this issue, Ruben, like, like so many other issues. I wanted to ask you this one question, something that's always uh-huh. bugged me. You hear everyone talk about the Texas-Mexican border, the Arizona-Mexican border, the California crossover Mexican border. But New Mexico, it doesn't have a big border, but it does have a border with Mexico. What goes on on that border over there? Is there a problem there? Is, is there not a problem? I mean, I understand the governor of New Mexico is a fine Republican Latino woman, all fine and good. But what the hell is the border like over there? Do you know? Uh, in the, the border of um, that New Mexico, New Mexico borders, yes. New Mexico borders with Mexico. It, it, it appears to me that it's not a very active uh, border. Where oh okay, so that's why it's not discussed then, because it's a very 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 secluded and very rugged uh, area to trans. To yeah, but transport. if I was a, if I'm a smuggler, isn't that exactly what you're looking for? I mean, obviously, that, what would be opportune? The weather, the weather in the winter is brutal. In the summer, it's brutally hot. So it's not convenient. Okay. 
to travel through okay. that region. Now, I'll take your word, brother. I've been. I've also been in the El Paso Juarez border, and that is a very congested, very heavily trafficked, uh, and a lot of drugs go through there. Uh, so, what I'm trying to get to, and what I try to tell people is that we definitely need to control the border. You know, if we want to, if we if we really want to apply the rule of law. If we want to really keep the drugs out of our country to the plate and protect and and and, and give give these border security officers the money, the equipment to do their job. And how about the adding the moral support too? I mean, I I know what goes on down there. Uh, these uh, a lot of these fellows are hesitant to do their job because the government will press charges against them. Correct. Right, so yeah. I mean, talk about caught between a rock and a hard place. Yeah, you, know, you have very... uh, Mexican gun runners on one side and uh, DC lawyers on, on the other. Have a nice day. Oh, great! Hell of a sandwich. Can I lose you, buddy? Did I shock you? <laughs> Go ahead, oh, Mark. I'll be right back. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I guess Ruben had a tip, uh, something going on in the personal situation. We have 19 and a half minutes left, and again, I apologize. Uh, well, we had I'll an issue. Right I'll, I'll, be, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. I just, okay. I'll be back. Okay, we had an issue, technical issue with Mr. Stone. I'm sorry, we are in a high-budget operation, uh, and we're hoping to have him next week. And I sincerely apologize. I also wanted to remind the audience we are students for a better future, led by Her Highness Doreen Finkel, the unflappable Doreen. Uh, and uh, we will accept donations at studentsforabetterfuture.com. Uh, and I will also tell you again, I estimate about $1.60 of every dollar you donate does goes to the cause because Doreen Ms. Finkel uh, does utilize her personal assets to further the cause. I really love that woman. And let me tell you, uh, these past, uh, what has it been now, seven, seven, eight years I've been involved with this Tea Party. Uh, there were a few people in New Jersey I will say that about. There are some, but just a few. We have our stinkers just like everywhere else. Um She's someone who you can't doubt her sincerity, her veracity, her patriotism, her love, again, of freedom and liberty, which is what all the Tea Party and decent Republicans support. That's all we want, freedom and liberty. I mean, uh, you know, when I hear people claim, well, the Tea Party's racist, my reaction is, excuse me, the Tea Party has been a dozen African-American leaders. We have Hispanic-American leaders. Genuine leaders, not tokens, leaders. Now, when you look at the supposed diverse party, the Democrats, well, let's see, they got two old white folks running for president. Uh, in the Demo- on the Republican side, we have two Latinos and a black guy and a successful businessman out of the top four or five people. And the Democrats are the party of diversity. Uh, are you kidding me? We've got, let's see, Bernie Sanders, the... Uh, uh, you know, uh, 
It's almost an octogenarian, for Christ's sakes, communist, leftist, socialist. We have Hillary Clinton, the uh, you know the uh, capo of the uh, Clinton crime family. For God's sakes, it, it, the choices are so evident this cycle around that um, trusting that the youths in school, uh, the young millenniums are going to make the right choice here. And they're going to go with a Trump or a Cruz or even if we have to, a Rubio uh, over well, these two people. All right. Oh, you're back, Ruben. Thanks. Yeah, I'm back. Yeah. Well, let me let me interrupt him and just there's something very interesting that, that I've noticed in the past week. Uh, the youth, the, the millennials, the millennials are going for Trump, they're going for Cruz, they're going for Bernie, but what scares me are the ones that are going for Bernie. Why would they want to go for Bernie? Do, do they understand what socialism is all about? Yeah, I know, I know. I, I, that's, I constantly bang that drum, Ruben. Constantly banging that drum. And when I said in the absence, also another segment, I said what's shocking to me is that half the Democrats, are, you know, by a whisker, think that socialism is the uh, successful method for us to go forward. I mean, uh, you've got to tell these people to get off the pipe, Ruben, okay? Uh, I mean, it's like it's no way it's happening. And... Uh, Again, I remind the audience, capitalism is the newest government-slash-economic system that works for the majority of the people. It's not socialism. Socialism is shared poverty, shared misery. As your party elders and uh, members of the apparatchik live the life O'Reilly, and the overwhelming part of the population has poverty and agony. That's socialism. And for God's sakes, if you don't, okay, don't believe me that maybe I'm pulling your leg. Think maybe for a moment I'm like a, a member of the DNC uh, and I'm lying to you. Do your own research. Go ahead. Show me a socialist nation that provides social mobility to the brunt of the population. You're not. And something else I have to bring up, Ruben, again, uh -huh. we have a living example right now going on in Venezuela. Venezuela, who just a few decades ago was the pride and joy of South America. They embraced capitalism. They were utilizing their oil and other resources. The standard of living was skyrocketing in Venezuela. Right. Chavez comes in and as soon as, you know, outside the U.S., man, that remains to be seen, outside the U.S., when these communists and socialists gain power, they don't let go. They don't care who you vote for, who you want, that's it. We got in the door. We're nailing the door shut behind us. Venezuela has turned into a hellhole for the average Venezuelan. No toilet paper, lines at stores, all the... Uh, major businesses are trying to be run by the uh, Cossacks out of Caracas. Uh, I, I, I like that out of Montepaya there, Rube. You know, the Cossacks of Caracas. Um, yeah. And the country in a few decades has gone from a rising, successful, bountiful spread and enjoyed by millions of people to just another socialist 
poverty hellhole, and it's happening right now before your eyes. It, oh, yeah. It wasn't 30 years ago, or we're not predicting it happening 50 years from now. It's going on right now. Go ahead, Ruben. I'm sorry. Well, no, no. I, 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 you're absolutely correct. I mean, the, the, what you just described is what Venezuela was before Chavez and what Venezuela has been and continues to be after Chavez. Um, I have had... I've had family who who left Venezuela. They lived. They're, they're not from Venezuela, but they lived in Venezuela for. Uh, they had a business in Venezuela. They had to leave Venezuela after Chavez came in because they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't be there because he, he was already a well-known commie. And one of the things that my cousin told me, he says, everyone who had some sort of money left. And things have gotten worse. There's no toilet toilet paper. Uh, crime is rampant. Unbelievable. A city like Caracas. Well, sure. You know, Ruben, I, you know, there's, there's certain crimes. Excuse me. If you've gone two days without eating or you're a father and you have children and they have hunger pangs and they're crying, guess what? Yeah, you're going to be pushed to that point. You don't want to, but you have to. How are you going to get food? I mean, just to get food to feed your family, for God's sake. So that's why crime is going to be skyrocketing. I could imagine what the black market is over there now. Oh, that's huge. It's huge. It's huge. But but um, let, let me uh, change uh, the, the subject. And let's get back, if we can, let's go back to, since we have, what, uh, 12 minutes to go? Yes, 11 minutes and 6 seconds, but who's counting? Go ahead. Okay. I, I definitely want to touch on, on, on New Hampshire. I, I like to go over in the last 11 minutes. On you have the floor, sir. See? Go ahead. Yeah. Who Enlighten do you see? Them. Yeah. You know, New Hampshire is vastly different from Iowa, as I briefly touched before. Um and, and it's not as it's a smaller state. It's not as big to cover. But in my opinion, I think that there's going to be a challenge for for Ted Cruz because of New Hampshire residents are considered to be evangelicals. Uh, so, like I indicated, my my bet is that. Donald Trump will win New Hampshire. But the question that I have for you and for the audience is, who do you see? You speak up, Ruben. We're starting to lose. You're, you're, you're coming in a little low if you're okay. moving away from the phone. I just wanted to tell you that. After New Hampshire, after New Hampshire, who do you see dropping out? Because I think after New Hampshire, in my opinion, I think there's definitely three or four people that are going to drop out. Well, a safe bet is Gilmore because the last I saw, he got less than one percent. Um, I would think uh, like people like Santorum, um, people like who's the uh, oh I can't think of his name, the chubby guy who won Iowa in '08, who worked on Fox or Huckabee. I could see yeah, Santorum, Huckabee. Uh, I don't think Christie's going to give it up. Maybe Fiorino. Yeah. No. Well. Um, 
Huckabee already dropped out. Oh, he did? Yeah. This happened today? Because he wasn't dropped out yesterday. He dropped out right after the uh, after Monday. Oh, okay. after the thing. Oh, okay. So he's gone. Yeah. So this yeah. is a safe bet. How about Gilmore with less than 1% of the votes? What the hell is he doing there? <laughs> you know what? I, I, I. I, I didn't think he was ever there. I, I didn't even know he was there. I, I know. I, I saw him. He was at the tail end of the ticker I saw with the votel. He said, and it was less than one percent. So uh, I, I think, although who, who knows with these people, you know, if they don't have big campaigns and they're not spending a lot of money. When I mean big campaign, I mean organizations. If they're not spending money, they can hang in there indefinitely. You know, it's just their name on a sliver of something somewhere. Right. But uh, New Hampshire, yeah, I think Trump's got it. Although, let's see what what I'm going to see is interesting. Let's see if Rubio is getting any traction and pulls a surprise, even if he comes in a strong third again. Um, that, to me, uh, is one of the more wild cards and unknowns of New Hampshire because it looks pretty solid with Trump in the lead. Let's see what Rubio does. L- l- let's see how Carson does, a- et cetera. So well, that's right. One, 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 one of the things that is going to help is helping uh, Donald Trump is that he got the endorsement of Scott Brown, who who's currently – uh, very, very popular in New Hampshire. Oh, really, really? Because uh, Scott Brown disappointed a lot of patriots. He, well, you know, that's... and that second time around he lost, and that was because he did not get the groundswell of support uh, he did the first time around because, as I mentioned on the show, I was up there almost three weeks in Massachusetts working in his campaign. Right, right. So, uh, I, I mean, and that was one of the few victories, or big victories, I feel we've uh, achieved against the old jackass administration. And, of course, right. on this radio show, we spell old jackass with capital S's, as in SS, as in weaponization of government departments. Uh, uh, it was one of the few successes we've had, one of the few successes the Republicans had. And, of course, they didn't have much to do with it. It was more of the groundswell, the grassroots, uh, like it is for Ted Cruz, like it is for Donald Trump. Uh, it, it's, it's the grassroots. We can make a difference. We can, you know, toss out the big money boys and the New World Order uh, fascists uh, and communists. We, we, we can toss them out if we wise up and we better elect the right people to cycle, Ruben, because if we don't, if someone like a Hillary or a Bernie gets in, uh, I tell you what, I'm talking to expats in Panama, Ruben. That's how bad I think it's going to be because I understand Panama, which is embracing capitalism, is becoming a booming Central American state. You see, there's, there's two words that go together again, capitalism and booming. And again, I challenge anyone, especially some pointy-headed leftist professor, show me a place where you could say socialism, communism, and booming at the same time. And when I mean booming, I mean wealth spread about the general populace, where the general populace has an enhanced standard of living. Show me one instance of communism and socialism and the word booming combined. 
I mean, the only right. way you can use those words in the same sentence is if you're talking a body count, because that also seems to be a byproduct of this communist leftist systems is butchery and outright savagery. Because, I mean, Mao did, what, 50 million plus? Uh, yep. Stalin did uh, 20 million plus. Hitler did about 10 million because, again, don't forget, Hitler was a national socialist. Hitler was not a right winger. That's just deceit by the left to soften the uh, uh, opinion of socialist regimes. Hitler was left wing. Hitler was a socialist. He was uh, just that he was a national socialist as opposed to Stalin, who was an international socialist. And the two right. of them don't like each other. But anyway, I'm sorry, yeah, Ruben, but I have to go into I these don't, rants. Let, let, I have let, to let, talk let, to these youngsters let, and give them the straight shoot. Right, no, no, but let's, let's stay on topic. Which was, louder, uh, louder, Ruben. No, I'm saying let's let's stay in touch, uh, in touch with what we're doing. Uh, we're saying right now because one of the questions I had for you, Mark, was, do you think Sarah Palin will be a plus for the Donald Trump campaign? Because I, I think it's going to be a wash because she's going to attract patriots, but she may be turning off all these Democrat crossover voters that Trump ultimately will be counting on. So I think it's going to be a wash. I think she's going to bring some people to him on one hand, and she's going to turn some other people away on the other. So I'll call it a wash. How about you? I think I think, I think uh, Sarah is, uh, right now, she doesn't have the appeal on a national level like she did in 2008. Yeah, it's all there. It's just not noisy. Because I tell you what, first of all, she's a hockey mom, so I absolutely love that, having two sons um, participating in hockey programs for uh, growing up and as young adults for many years. Uh, you know, I, I understand the hockey mom uh, and the sacrifices that they do. You know, I've seen that credit card commercial. You know, they're obviously boosting their credit card, but there's the mom pumping gas at 5.30 a.m. Here's the mom doing this. I mean, it's a lot of work supporting your kids playing hockey. So, Sal oh, yeah. was a dedicated mom doing that. No, no, I I, I, I get that. and I love hockey, too. I, I grew up uh, watching the uh, the Rangers. But anyway, I, I just think that the endorsements, I mean, uh, the Jerry Falwell Jr. endorsement, um, the Scott Brown endorsement, the uh, Mike Huckabee. Mike Huckabee is endorsing uh, uh, Donald Trump. Really? Oh, wow. My opinion yeah, of Huckabee I, is elevating. Well, endorsements nowadays – in my opinion, I don't think they're as, as significant as they were 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, true. I, I know in my case, I hear some Hollywood idiot coming out with some malarkey, and it just turns me off. we got 90 seconds, Ruben. Oh, I want to let well, you know, I, I've been plugging the site and Doreen multiple times during the show. We have about a minute left. I wanted to do it again. We are students for a better future. Heralded and led by the unflappable Doreen Finkel, 
Her Highness, the amazing Doreen. I'm telling you, folks, I've seen a lot of heavy hitters in my time, and this Doreen is something. She really is a package, and it's all good. Uh, Ruben, is there anything you want to sum up with? Uh, Well, well, we're going to see if we can uh, get uh, Roger next week, but we will have Anna Marie Spigosa, who's running for Congress. Here in what state? In the state of Texas. She's running for Congress. She's a you Texans. Yeah, right on, right on. Yeah, I I, I love you Texan guys. I love Texas. Thank God we have a state like that in the Union. Oh, I wanted to say there's just 27 seconds left, so next week is going to be bombastic is the word. This is Dr. Mark, your political optometrist, helping you see clearly, and the world-renowned Ruben Doris (laughs) saying thank you uh, and thank thank you from Doreen Finkel and Students for a Better Future. And everyone, uh, you have a nice week till next week. God bless us all. All right, you too. Have a good one.